listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we break down all the different book formats and talk ebooks with Mordecai Canode. But first, Mallory, what are you reading? I just started, like, you just noticed that we all, we both go, we get so <laughs> like excited. Like, we're shocked that we're reading a book. We're, we're, we're all, I love that, like, we literally talk about books every day, all day of our lives, but we get so excited <laughs> to hear what the other one is reading. Uh, I just started a book, The Flamethrowers by Rachel Kushner, Ooh. and it's got, like, Great reviews. Everybody I've ever talked to s- says it's amazing. When I posted it on Instagram last night, a bunch of people were like, this is one of my favorite books. I saw it on your Instagram. Yeah. By the way, this is where people realize that we record these episodes several weeks ahead of time. So whatever we talk about now, you've already seen on Mallory's Instagram. <laughs> totally. It's basically about this biker chick in the 70s, and she moves to New York to become an artist. And she gets wrapped up in the 70s New York art scene and like has a weird affair with this Italian guy. So it's apparently about like being an artist in New York and finding yourself and also class warfare in Italy in the 70s. And I don't know. It looks Sounds really great, good, but I haven't started it yet. I haven't like really gotten into it, so I can't tell how good it is. What are you reading, Bria? I'm reading River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey. <gasps> oh my god! I just got it from the library. Oh my god, is it good? Yeah, it got it got moved right to the front of my TBR. Oh, right, it got moved. <laughs> I just want to tell people. Sometimes Mallory whispers things to me, her <laughs> mouths things to me, like we can't cut them out later. I know. No, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> um, but I, like, there's no one else in this room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's by Sarah Gailey, who apparently Mallory mouthed to me is her is someone she knows. <laughs> but you guys weren't allowed to know that. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I don't know. I'm friends with so many others, so I feel like it's so tacky for me. Like, oh. no, you, no, I think it's fine. I think Sarah's it's actually, amazing. You, you should, should say if you're friends with someone because that way people are, don't find out later and get mad and we suddenly become... You know, they're like, they only talk about people they know. I don't know this lady. All I know is she wrote a book about an alternate history in which hippos. So I guess at one point the United States really did think about moving hippos into Louisiana in, in like the swampy, marshy areas. For to, meat. For meat. For meat. And she wrote a re, like a history in which that actually did happen. But also people like domesticated them and like ride them like horses. <laughs> Yes. Sarah Gailey is amazing. She's really worth following on Twitter. or She's a great writer. And it is a novella, too. So if you're looking for a book that's only going to take you a couple hours to read, I just started reading it, and I'm about halfway through it. And it's great. It's uh, set in the early 1900s, so it's sort of a Western with hippopotamuses in Louisiana. I cannot think of a better book for a Bria Grant to be reading. Yes, it's definitely, definitely a Bria book. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Hannah wanted to write in about our episode seven with our interview with Irsa Segurda-Dattir. She is a French to English literary translator. So translated books are kind of a pet issue for her, but she thinks it's important to talk about. The percentage of books that come out in English translations is less than 3%. Yeah, it's crazy. We didn't realize that. She said, before the Iceland episode, I don't think I heard you guys talk about any books that weren't written in English. It would be great to hear more about books from other countries and languages more often. And if you do, kindly remember to name the translator. And I... I totally agree. I think that's super important. I think it's important not not to just read books about other cultures, but also read books from those cultures. I try to read at least one translated book every month, and we're actually going to do a whole episode on translated books. Yeah, and I would like to more, know more about it. I think I don't often even realize if I am reading a translated book, but I am probably not reading one very often. And the fact that you need to name your translator is really interesting because, I, I mean, there must be such an art to translating. We'll get into this. We'll do a whole episode. 
So Keely wrote us about our traveling episode. Her recent traveling story made, this us, is so made funny. us laugh. She was on a plane from Baltimore to Providence for a few days around the 4th of July. And who should be on her flight flying with the common people but Sean Spicer. Oh, my God. She had her Kindle with me, and she got to read a little bit because her daughter fell asleep. But then she left it in the back pocket, which is, you know, the bane of my existence is Ugh. leaving a book, in my, or especially my Kindle, in the back pocket. She was so distracted by her own cringing at the people trying to get selfies with Spicer while they were getting off the plane, and she didn't get it back either. She only lasted two weeks without buying another paper white. Curse you, Sean. Well, Keely, you ended up getting your revenge because Sean Spicer is no more in this administration. So see, it's book karma. It's book karma. That's what you lost a book, he lost a job. <laughs> Zing. Uh, as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate the Goodreads page. And before we talk about all the different book formats, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so this week we're breaking down book formats. Hardcover, trade paper, mass market, EPUB, Moby. Ah, there's so many different book formats. They're different prices, they're different sizes. We're here to give you a rundown of all of them to make your book acquiring choices more informed. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that I think we get questions about where people are like, oh, but what's a mass market paperback? Like that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that. We're not going to explain to you what a book is. We know you know what that is. Yeah, so if you're listening to this is. podcast, we're just going to go out on a limb and assume you know what a book is. You know what a book looks like. Um, do you want to know a little bit about the history of book publishing? I do. Uh, so for a long time, not many books like we think of today were published because there wasn't the means to do it. And also a lot of people couldn't read. I mean, yeah, publishing, publishing is, a is a very, very new. new industry. Before the year 1500, manuscripts could be counted in the thousands, which is not very many. But then after 1500, only about 50 years after it became easier to print books, that number, number rose to 9 million. Which people, is, people like reading. People love reading, man. By the 1800s, after fights over freedom of the press, it became even more common to have books. But the job of the author, printer, publisher, and bookseller were often one and the same for a really long time. So the same person who wrote the book also printed the book and also published the book so and then went and sold book it. Book dedication. <laughs> yeah. But by the 19th century, new ways of printing came around and the industry changed again. And you... Suddenly, you didn't have to hand make your paper. Binding became cheaper. So by the 1850s, you got mass production of books. So they became cheaper and easier to read. So, books, you know, we not only just really have, we've <laughs> had books for less than 200 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for a long time, it was just like fancy rich people who could read and could afford them. But then by the 1850s, that was when you ended up with a lot more books out there. Woo! Books are for everybody. So... We're going to start with physical books. And for physical books, there's three main types of books that you're going to encounter. And the first one is hardcovers. Sometimes people call them hardbacks or hardbounds. I always call them hardcovers. It's they're all it's all the same thing. They're in these with books, hardcovers are usually the ones that are released first. 
A book might come out in paperback later, but these are the ones that are going to be released first. They're bigger, they're heavier, and they are going to be the most expensive. And a lot of people collect these, like book collectors really go after the hardcover first editions. And now, I mean, I've seen hard hardcovers ranging from $19.99 to like $30.99 in America. It can be super, super expensive. They've usually got dust jackets, which are the cover flap things. And the pros to hardcovers is that they're because they're bigger and they're heavier and they're hardcover, they're definitely more durable and they do look really nice. Did you know that I was a professional book flap coverer in high school? I did not. By professional, I mean that was my after school job. I worked at a library and one of my jobs was to take those book flap thingies and then put them in these plastic cover things, which is not that easy to do, and then put them back on the books because that's extra you, protect them. Yeah, because if you go to the library, you know, you have like an extra layer between you and the actual book flap. They don't want you touching those books. Don't get your grubby little little Cheeto hands on there. <laughs> Cheeto hands. That's just me in high school. I had a lot of Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos and Cool Ranch Doritos getting them all over those book covers. <laughs> Um, and But I was reading online about the hardbound books are still pretty popular, oh, they but they are, are becoming less popular because of self-publishing and things like that. People are going straight to Paperback. paperbacks. Yeah. And the, the, pro, the question is, if you want to put your book out in hardback, you can charge a lot more for it. But then if it doesn't do well, then you may not make it to paperback. But yeah. it, it doesn't happen as often. I was sort of reading about the behind the scenes of the industry on this sort of stuff. And, I mean, sometimes hardcovers are nice to read because they're easier to read because they're bigger. Yeah. And if you're eating snacks. They, what they... about the snacks? What are the snacks? What's <laughs> most convenient for snacks? I mean, reading glasses is big on snacks. we got to check in on the snack situation. But they'll lay flat when you, like, you oh, know. Yeah. I don't normally have to use my book weight when I'm... Um, using a, when I have a hardcover. So there's a lot of pros and cons. And if you're a book collector, you might want to spend the extra money. As we've talked about before on this podcast, if you want to support an author, you might want to get the, the, the hardcover when it comes out. The next up is the trade paperback. And this is where people can get kind of confused because there's two types of two main types of paperbacks. There's trade paperbacks and mass market. Trade paperbacks, they're soft covers as in they have, a, some people call them soft covers, but they have a paper cover. They're usually medium size. They're bigger than a mass market paperback, but smaller than a hardcover and they do have a better quality paper than the mass market paperback but and the something that a lot of people don't realize is that the the trade paperback has uh, the general same layout and similar letter size and spacing as the hardcover oh really i yeah. didn't know that actually yeah so it's gonna look basically the same as the first edition at least on the inside like in the, the layout wise some companies will actually will release a new cover with the paperback but some of them won't i mean some companies re just release it straight to paperback and when it's when it originated in paperback, it's called a paperback original. Oh, yeah. But they're less likely I, – I was reading online that you're, that literary editors are less likely to review a book if it goes straight to paperback. Yes. Which I think is a weird rule. It is. It's but, like, and it's I wonder all, if it's that's changing. Snoop, it's, it's Snoop Police stuff. Yeah. I wonder if that's changing, though, too, as things go. Yeah. Well, and trade paperbacks are normally, a, like – mid-range between a mass market and a hardcover most trade paperbacks now are like you know between 12 and you know 16.99 ish also the history of that um they became popular during the second world war because there was interest in reading but they also needed a cheaper way to to do to provide books for people so yes. that's when you saw a real rise in the paperback cool mm -hmm. and then the last one you got the mass market so these are the these are the teeny small ones that you see. You'll see them in the grocery store. You'll I always used them. to see them at Walmart yep. when I was growing up. Yep. Yeah. And they're the smallest. They're usually able. I like them because you can put them in the back pocket of your pants if if you're wearing jeans. But the thing with the mass market paperback is they have the lowest quality of paper. The paper is really easily ripped. It's 
like ye- a little yellowish and it's kind of see-through and the words are a lot closer together the layout is different it doesn't it's not going to look like the heart the layout of the hardcover but they're the least expensive you know you can get it you can still get a mass market for like you know 8.99 9.99 sometimes 7.99 but they are the least durable but they're the best for travel like oh yeah that makes sense but also i mean if you have like trouble seeing little tiny words aren't the words like real tiny yeah like super small yeah yeah and and not all books make it to this this level, right? Exactly, and the mass markets are going to be the last ones that are released out of uh, out of this whole list. And again, not all books get released to mass market. Okay, what about ARCs, which is something new for me that I don't know that much about? So ARCs, ARC stands for an advanced review copy of a book. They're also known as galleys. Sometimes people call them galleys, and they're about this. They're a little bit bigger than a trade paperback normally, but they have like a blank cover. They don't have the cover. It's it's like for when a book is about to come out and it's not hasn't been released yet. And it's like sent out for reviews or something. Yes, and they send it out to reviewers. But so where just, are you getting this book? Like before you started this podcast, why? How did you get Aries? You bought them at bookstores? No, I just know. You just know about books. Okay. I just know book people because you can't. You do see them at bookstores sometimes. You, you're, but you're, the thing that's what's interesting is you're not supposed to sell them. So oh. sometimes used bookstores will sell them, but you're not supposed to. They're just for reviewers. They're not Rebels. for resale. They have no cover design. It's just like the title and like the layout. They sometimes will. Have, they won't have the acknowledgments page. They won't have a lot of stuff. It's just the content of the book. And a lot of people have to remember that when you're reading an arc, it is not necessarily the final version of the book. It's still going. Like someone might ca- catch a a spell error grammar error so there's like it's, so an author doesn't want that book out in the used bookstore probably exactly mm-hmm. and they'll they will be laid out just like the hardcover but they'll you know they'll still be errors and things missing so they're just for sending to reviewers so if you have a bunch of arcs be a good book citizen and don't sell them to used bookstores yeah that's probably nice i like trade paperbacks they're my favorite they're not as expensive and they're easier to read because i don't see very well and they're very portable <laughs> i think they're like the you know, the Goldilocks just right version of books. I do get hardcovers sometimes and I like mass market books to travel with, but I am a trade paperback girl. But Bria, you are ebooks. Yeah, I do a lot of ebooks. And I this is something that I didn't know about. I didn't like ebooks is just like a whole crazy yeah. world for me. And I didn't even realize that there were different types of ebooks. Yeah, there are. There's EPUB, Mobi, I mean, you can read them in PDF form. But in general, if you're getting them, if you have a Kindle, you're buying off of Amazon or you're getting from the library. If you have a Nook. Are Nooks around still anymore? Yeah, but they're not being sold. Yeah, then you have to get a different kind or like whatever your e-reader is, you're going to figure out what kind of ebook you want. And it doesn't really affect the format. It's just it's just like a different kind of file that you can open or not yes, open. And I, see, I, that's what I didn't realize is that so, some certain types of ebooks can only be read on certain devices. Right. And we actually have our uh, friend, friend, friend of the show, Mordecai Node from Tor.com, is going to we're going to interview him after this segment to talk about um, something called DRM, which is what, really what dictates a lot of book types. It's digital rights management. It's the reason why you can't read a Nook file on your Amazon and vice versa. And it's basically if you buy a book from a specific book platform like Amazon, you won't be able to read it on your Barnes & Noble device. Right. So um, certain books are DRM-free and Tor.com who, uh, and Forge, they both all do DRM-free books. There's a bunch of other ones too and people often will release their books DRM-free so that way you can trade them basically. So right now, like if you buy an ebook, I can't just let my, Mallory borrow that ebook unless we have the same Amazon account, which means she can access my Amazon or 
or if I, or wherever you buy it from. But if you have a DRM free book and you purchase that, then you can send it because it's basically just like sending along a PDF file. So EPUBs are a very common for- format for everything but Kindle. You can't do it on a Kindle, but you can do them for iBooks, Nook, Kobo, or Nexus. But you can convert an EPUB file to the file you need for your Kindle using an app called Calibre, which is free on the internet. Uh, now, if you do that and you're like breaking it and that's illegal, I don't know what to tell you. But I recently got a book in an EPUB format that we were reading for the show and then I couldn't read it on my Kindle. So I essentially like unlocked, what do you call it? Jailbreaked yeah. that book. So that, I mean, and this is basically what we're talking about right now is the problem with DRM things. Yeah. So if you have an EPUB book and you want to, like, you, let's say you get an EPUB from the library and you want to read it on your Kindle, but if it's a DR, if it's a digital rights management book, you can't do that. You're, it's supposed to be only read on a certain device. Right. And that's the problem with that a lot of uh, people have with DRM books. So, but what do you need? What's the what's the type of file you need for a Kindle? So Mobi files are for Kindles and library apps usually offer Mobi or EPUB files. You can read those EPUB files right on your computer. Though you can open them up in, in a, like an app and they just look like a book. But I don't like reading on my computer. Um, you can also use a PDF on any device, but the font size is not adjustable. So for me, when I read scripts on my my Kindle, it's a little tough. So this is something to consider when you're getting an ebook, and or you're you're like me and you're just getting into ebooks and you're like, oh, here's here's all the different types of book formats, and you're like, ah, this is all gibberish to me. I don't know what it means. If you have a Kindle, you need a Mobi file. If you don't have a Kindle, you probably should get an EPUB file. But honestly, if you're like getting books from Amazon, if you're getting books from OverDrive, like the major things, they're gonna be all and they're gonna have the options that you need for your particular device. They're gonna yes. provide those. Yes. So before we talk to book professional Mordecai Node from Twitter.com to help elucidate all this confusing stuff, we're going to take a quick break. Who do you think's hotter, Captain America or Juggernaut? If my boyfriend won't watch Handmaid's Tale with me, should I break up with him? Is this meme already dead? What exactly are furries? I need a new Four Quadrant song. Any suggestions? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable show with me, Guy Branham. Winter Mitchell. Margaret Wappler. And Karen Tongson. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcasts. I'm not going to judge. So now we are here with Morde- Mordecai Canode from Tor.com, who is the marketing manager over there. Thank you so much for joining us, Mordecai. Thanks for having me. So you are the marketing manager. We and we we love Tor.com. We talk about it on the show all the time. Can you give us an idea of what that actually entails? Sure. So I started off with the imprint at the very beginning as the marketing and publicity manager. So I had my hands all over and kind of still have my hands in a lot of different pies. We've brought on a publicity person since then, but it still kind of gives me a weird overarching viewpoint in. Um, Basically, in a nutshell, when people try to break down what's the difference between marketing and publicity, the answer is money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. uh, it's, It's often swag. It's who you're trying to reach, right? Publicity is reaching the people who are going to be reviewing it, the people who are in the industry, and marketing is often reaching the consumers or the people who you want to get talking about it. Ah, okay. So, yeah. I mean, the distinctions are often 
fine or blurred depending on the day of the week or who you're talking to. Gotcha. So, so there is some confusion for some people. They don't. What's the difference between Tor Books and Tor.com? Sure. Tor is the publisher. And uh, even though they're within the corporate structure of Macmillan, they're a wholly independent publisher. But within Tor, there's a number of different imprints. There's Forge, there's Orb, which does a lot of their older stuff. There's uh, Starscape for younger readers. And uh, Tor.com is both the website and Tor.com Publishing, which is an imprint underneath the publisher Tor. And Tor.com does a lot of novellas, which I know Bree is a big fan of. And I read quite a few of your novellas. Wonderful. Happy uh, to hear that. And you guys are one of the few people doing that. Is there a reason you're choosing to put out a lot of novellas? Well, what really happened with the start of the imprint was that it was a lot of short fiction was being published on the website for free. And that was just a mission that the sites believed in since its inception. And to make that accessible to more people. They threw it up on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble and on all the different e-reading sites as like a 99 cent file just to buy if you want the convenient version. And then those started making money and people started thinking, well, okay, well, we don't want to stop doing this for free, but we do want to find a way to pay authors and make money doing this and crunching the numbers the way it seemed the best way to serve everyone in the market was to go after the novella niche. And a lot of your e-books and e-novellas are DRM-free, and you guys are one of the only publishers we know that's doing that. Could you give us a rundown of, of what that is and why? Sure. Um, for all tour books, they're DRM-free. Um, I don't believe there's any exceptions. Uh, the basic story is one of the rights locking that's going on across all media management right now. Um, do you plug a DVD in and can you get it to work across regions? Do you have to make sure that your file runs on the right kind of reader, otherwise deletes everything that you have on your phone or your computer? Because, well, that's all the DRM nonsense, or at least in the same family. I'm not a technical wizard. The readership of Tor are largely a tech-savvy bunch, a more tech-savvy bunch than I. And they have been some of the people who most pushed back against that because it made it harder for readers to get the books. And the idea is basically that our readers are good faith people. They want to read our books. They want to pay for it. They're not trying to, like, rob us. So we don't need to be overly suspicious of them. And a lot of our authors, people like Cory Doctorow specifically, have uh, been big believers in that. And so a few years ago, Tom Doherty, the publisher, agreed to just get rid of all the DRM as an experiment to see how it worked. And the answer is fine. It worked fine. That's all. Aw- I mean, so meaning you're still making, you guys are still making money. It doesn't, it hasn't stopped you from getting your books out there and you don't feel like people are stealing them all the time or anything. It doesn't seem to have changed piracy at all. Like the way piracy is happening is not really people who would be getting the books in that fashion who are getting it in some unscrupulous manner. Gotcha. So people are, st- people are buying the books and you guys are still making money for your authors that way. Exactly. That makes sense. So uh, a question that we were talking about earlier in the show is that uh, what some people don't realize is that the tra- trade paperbacks are formatted similar to the hardcovers, but the mass market paperbacks are not. When you get an ebook or an e-novella, is it formatted similarly to the print version? 
Well, <clears throat> so that was a big deal when ebooks were first coming out was how they were going to work. And the way that it ended up falling, the way the EPUBs and Mobis of the world, the two big file formats, work is they're reflowable. So the way you can adjust all the text and the way that you can change even the font size and the same way that your page count will change when you do that means that the e-file is almost, it's not even almost, it is literally its own format separately from the mass market or the trade paperback. Sometimes when a new edition comes out, there will be changes made and then the EPUB would need to be, or the EPUB, the electronic file would need to be changed. But generally you can think of the electronic file as its completely own format. Oh, see, I, this, is, this is fascinating to me. Yeah. So tell us, so I'm a big, I read a lot of your stuff. Do you have anything exciting coming up that people should look out for with Tor? Well, I have been looking ahead to the beginning of 2018 because that's just the way marketing brains work sometimes. And some of the books that we have coming out then are really exciting. We have the newest Shauna McGuire, Beneath the Sugar Sky. I don't know if you've read any of the Wayward Children series that started with Every Hearted Doorway. Oh, yeah. No, it's been on my list for a while, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, I'm a big fan of Every Hearted Doorway and the second book, Down Among the Sticks and Bones. And the third book continues the, you know, they're each fairly standalone. I would say the first two are completely standalone. And uh, the third book is really bringing the plot threads together in a way that's fun. But if you're not already a fan, I I don't want to spoil anything. We've also got the new new, uh, Nnedi for Binti, the third one in the series, Binti Night Masquerade. Oh, I'm excited about that. Yes, Bria loves that series. I do. Uh, So one question we'd love to ask all of our guests, Morkai, is what's your favorite book to gift to people? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I have to admit that I am a bit of a mean gift giver. I like to give tomes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to obligate people to read them, but I like to give the books to people that I couldn't obligate them to read, if that makes sense. You know, I don't want to be like, you know, you really should read all four volumes of Gene Wolfe's Book of the New Sun seriously on my say-so without handing it to them. That's amazing. So you basically are giving people doorstops. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you're not going to pick up Mark Danielewski's House of Leaves on your own, let me just put it in your hand. Oh, that's fit. Uh, that's an uh, amazing gift. That's a very strange gift to give. Yeah, to well, I don't. Like, you know, you gotta make your gift say something about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's great. That's awesome. So, do you read a ton? Do you have any quirky re- reading habits you want to share with our listeners? Well, so my life has kind of become a mess of reading manuscripts, but that means I also try to carve out time to read non-work-related things as well. One thing that I've been doing is I've had a long-running book club for uh, several years now. Uh, it's hard to even think of it a years because I think of it in terms of bookshelves. We're at two bookshelves now. Oh, wow. Right? That feels solid. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like more than most marriages. Um, and each, each month, one of the people in the book, in the group, has to pick a book that they haven't read before that they kind of feel represents their taste because the idea is to be constantly confronted with books that are outside of your comfort zone. So, uh, I don't know. The last book I read was within my comfort zone, but it was uh, Silver on the Road by Lorna N. Gilman. And that one kind of like knocked my socks off. Oh, I haven't read that yet. Yeah, it's like Weird West, but it's more Witch West because it doesn't have any steampunk in it. It's all just like crossroads and devil's bargains. Oh, nice. It's on my list. I keep seeing it at Skylight Books. I gotta get it. Yeah, that made me very happy. And otherwise, I would just say that every so often, 
I make out, well, I keep a role-playing game book in my bag at all times because that's perfect train reading. Nice. Wow. Nice. I would say that's another reading habit I cherish. Yeah, that's that's a good habit. So before you go, is there anything about the publishing industry that would surprise our listeners that you could clue us in on? Wow. Um, I think the thing that would probably surprise listeners the most is just how much people in the publishing industry are fans. Sometimes there's a an, an idea that it's some monolithic other, and it's really just other people who are crazy about the books themselves. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm just coming at this from watching a lot of discussions surrounding various um, convention controversies at the moment. But it seems to me that people have forgotten that a lot of the people in the publishing industry are just people who really like the books. I mean, that's been my experience. You guys are great. So if people want to find you online, where can they go look you up? Well, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.mordecai with two I's, M-O-R-D-I-C-A-I. And if you want to find Tor.com Publishing, you can find us as Tor.com Pub, all letters, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the works. Yeah, you got listeners, Tor.com is a great follow on basically all the social media. They just like post awesome stuff all day, every day. Now we're going to solve a reader problem from one of our listeners. Sonia writes in, I used to read nonstop back when I was in grade school, but as soon as I started college, I quit. Outside of graphic novels, I haven't read for pleasure in over seven years. I'm the only reader in my family. How do I transition from YA novels to age-appropriate reading material after such a long gap? So my take on this... I don't think there is age-appropriate reading material unless, like, Boom, you know... Mallory, dropping knowledge. Unless you're, like, seven years old and reading the Kama Sutra, like, maybe that's not age-appropriate. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, like... Are when, you going to link to that in our notes? <laughs> yeah, oh, my, oh, my God. Uh, I, I feel like if you're an adult, there is... Like, read middle grade. Read pic- picture books. If you're reading for fun and it's giving you joy, like go for it you know i would i would argue that if you are reading graphic novels you're totally reading for pleasure you know but if you want to get into away from graphic novels you want to read like a regular novel you want to read novellas you want to get back to prose why don't why don't you read ya i I don't think that's a problem a ton of adults lots of people read ya books priya is she's a ya hero But if you really want to read adult fiction and you don't know where to start, my advice is that you said you love graphic novels. Why not see if any of your favorite comic writers also write books? There's a lot of... So, so much crossover there. A lot of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman has written, wrote the Sandman series, but he's also a very popular novelist. Joe Hill wrote the Lock and Key series. It's also a very popular novelist. Warren Ellis also. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of crossovers. So like, go look up your favorite comics, see who wrote them and see if they have any novels out. What, Bria, what do you think about this? It's good. I think that's good advice um i'm a big graphic novel reader myself and i just kind of want to repeat what you said i think that there is no problem sticking with what you like i still read graphic novels i still read comic books every week i i love them i find them to be great escape or if you're not looking for escape whatever you look for in books i think finding books in the same vein as the graphic novels could work for this person too um so if you read science fiction graphic novels why don't you try some award-winning sci-fi books or the books that people are talking about? Why don't you try some of the books that are getting turned into movies, big, huge movies right now? Because, you know, Arrival is based on a really great short story. Yeah. Uh, the Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang. There you go. Just step to ask Mallory Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, the Mallorypedia. Mallory oh. Bookopedia. Um, <laughs> oh, Malopedia. So, but something like that could be really inter- be a way for you to sort of get into fiction – adult fiction that's not graphic novels but is in the same vein. 
if you read graphic novels maybe that are more relationship focused, then you could try some good literary fiction. You know, try something new that came out this year so you feel like you're reading something current yeah, and, you have and to adult. Talk about with it. Yeah. I think and look, there's a lot of suggestions on this podcast, but there's a lot of suggestions suggestions for book reading on any place on the internet. Just ask any person. Go to our group on Facebook and say, Hey, I'm looking for an adult sci fi book. What should I read? And they're going to have a ton of suggestions. And you know what? I just want to sh- shout out this because I was, I'm, I go to the library all the time for work related things. And I was at the library yesterday and I was on their homepage and they have summer reading suggestions from the librarians, you know, just, and, and they're all different genres. So honestly, I ask librarians for help with basically everything in my life. Go up to your librarian at your local library and say, hey, I read a lot of graphic novels, but now I want to read some prose. What should I read? Just ask your librarians. They're the greatest. Yeah. You know how you, when you go to a restaurant, I always say, what is your favorite thing on the menu? I'm like that annoying person, but that's because I worked at restaurants and I know that that's what you should be asking people. Oh yeah. They <laughs> because know. They do know. And the librarians know because they see all the books that come in and if you work at a library or at a bookstore you read all the time and you know what people are reading and if you really want to you can email us we read a lot of books and we probably know we do you already emailed us once so feel free to email us again yes sonia if you really need some help email the the comic books that you like and we will send you some recommendations because both me and bria read a lot of comics it's true if you want us to solve your reader problem send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com So we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online. And this week's hashtag is hashtag fight for your book type. That's right. We're going to run a poll on Twitter. We want to hear your favorite book type, whether you're an e-reader or you're a physical book reader. We want to know. We want you to weigh in. What type of book do you prefer to read? Go on our Twitter at readinggpodcast and check it out. Remember that a half transcript, half outline kind of thing for the show is available on the Maximum Fun blog. So go to MaximumFun.org and find reading glasses and check that out for our hearing impaired fans so if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes it's super helpful for us and it helps us to get more people listening you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses so thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading, reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.